Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Lavender Vixen. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time, time to, to party. party. I don't know ben, why ben, I did that. You can't see ben, me headbanging. You didn't make an accompanying noise. What, I didn't. What is the no. accompanying noise for throwing up the, the horns? Uh, I don't Wow! Yeah, there it is. Party people, welcome back to another edition of Time to Party, where, you know... This episode happens. was recorded on October 23rd, 2023. We are not about. doctors, we don't and, give medical advice. Please, drink responsibly. You know, you really covered the whole genre there. Look at that. Bringing podcasting together as a medium by explaining that stuff happens. Yeah. It's, if you're broad enough, anything can be anything. It's the new We Are the World. <laughs> Time to party. It's the new We Are the World. Uh, and this month we've had an incredible guest with us, Lavender Vixen. Hi. Hi. How are ya? <laughs> How y'all doing? Oh, you know, your Midwest is coming out. <laughs> I'm from Indiana. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Yes, it has been phenomenal having the wonderful Lavender Vixen on to talk about the new Amazon Prime Video original movie, Totally Killer. You can watch it right now if you have Prime Video. And let's face it, because you probably order way too much from Amazon all the time, uh, yeah, you have it. Yeah. There's a very good chance that you have it. Bezos is stealing so much from the world, you might as well use this thing he just made. Yeah, it's true. But luckily, this is a real good movie, as we pointed out in the second episode with our review. Yes, we are at our third episode of the month, which means that we are going to give you some edutainment. That's where the sound effects would go if we had sound effects. I can put in a sound effect. Wow! What was that tune that you just jingled? Or what was that jingle you just sang? I think that was The More You Know. Oh, no. The More You Know is... Yeah. But the other one was something, too. It sounded like the... Oh, man. ABC or... Dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. The ABC Productions. ABC Productions. Yep. I can see the peacock, you know? Well, that'd yeah, be like, uh, NBC, wouldn't it? That's NBC. Oh, NBC. But, no, but I think it is ABC, because I think I remember it from the end of Scrubs. Anyways. Talk about Mandela Effect. Talk about a bit Mandela Effect. Are you going to talk about the Mandela Effect? Is that... That's a I great mean, segue. Uh, okay, I didn't do any research onto the Mandela oh, Effect. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you, I did some research on the Mandela Effect a few years ago for a different podcast, uh, because we did a, an episode about it, and it was... That was for comedy purposes. So uh, I was making jokes and I don't remember it super well. But here's what I got. As they laid out in the movie, the Mandela effect is uh, based around the the originating moment was when a great many people uh, thought that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Uh, just lots of people thought that's what happened. And it's it's just it's not. That's not what happened. He, he lived after that and did other stuff and uh yeah so uh while this movie poses it as a indication that something has changed due to time travel specifically uh most people just think that the mandela effect is uh, evidence that 
you were in a different dimension or the dimensionality has changed somehow, uh, time travel would be a reasonable assumption for why that would happen. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's frequently looked at as evidence of multiple timelines or multiple overlapping dimensions. Uh, people also point to the Berenstain Bears, which uh, many people remember from their childhood as being the Berenstain Bears, uh, including myself. I would have sworn it was Berenstain and not Berenstain. Me too. But... Berenstain? Mm-hmm. It's Berenstain, A-I-N. Because the Berenstain Bears were meetable characters at Dorney Park when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so they had, like, attractions, you know, and I kind of sworn, like, actually seeing in print, like, meet the Berenstain Bears. But I guess not. Yep. My my favorite instance of uh, the Mandela effect is Sinbad in the Genie movie. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which was Which is definitely a... a thing that happened. I remember yeah. that, too. <laughs> at what point uh did our timelines diverge you know there's there's gotta be there's gotta be something you know because i think was... i think kazam is the one that gets us all confused because Shaq did a, a genie movie called kazam y yes and then sinbad uh, did a movie at the same time that probably threw us off. Look at this. You can even Google. Google suggested Sinbad Genie movie to me. Yeah. Sh people remember Shazam as a 90s Genie movie starring Sinbad. Uh, but no such film ever existed. Oh, Sinbad. What's that dude doing these days? I wonder if he's in the sequel to Good Burger, which oh, they made and wait. no one was asking for it really but <laughs> i don't know i'll watch it oh i'm still gonna watch it <laughs> i mean like i didn't ask for zoe 102 either but i still watched it oh <laughs> yeah what a deep cut yeah um have you seen it because the ending is unhinged zoe 102 yeah i have not okay ansel there was this show on nickelodeon called zoe 101 starring britney spears younger sister jamie lynn Okay. And she went to this, like, prestigious uh, academy uh, for high school that was basically a boarding school. Um, and it was all these kids, like, basically living on a mountain on the side of the ocean. And it was super nice and ide idyllic and everything, right? Okay. And it was just like a teen show, you know? So it ends. Uh, and they come back, like, a few years, not a few years later. What? It's been at least 20 years has to be right um so they're revisiting it and, and there's a part in the in the new movie where one of the characters is a murder podcaster and they're investigating um uh, a serial killer you know in in the area where their school was so okay. so wow. they say that zoe's boyfriend who's not really her boyfriend who is really an actor that they that she hires to pretend to be her boyfriend so that she can make chase jealous chase was an old love interest um but yeah in the end 
the podcasters were just like, hey, we're so sorry that we, we thought that you were the killer. You know, uh, that, that was our bad. And he's like, oh, don't even worry about it. And then at the very end of the movie, you see him open the trunk of his car with a body bag in it. And it's like moving. And then he looks menacingly at the camera, shuts the shuts the trunk, and then credits. <laughs> I'm That's like, the ending? Oh, someone from the wedding totally is getting murdered. <laughs> huh. What? Yeah. That is so unhinged. It, that's what I'm saying. That's what so a wild weird. concept. I know. And the f- craziest part about it is that, like, the showrunner who was originally involved, who, like, got exposed to be, like, a super creep, he would do something like that to make, like, the end of one of his shows, like, that wild. And he wasn't involved. So I'm just like, who who decided this was a good idea? You had this happy, upbeat reunion story of people getting together from their high school days and and now suddenly murder. JK, there was murder. Ha ha ha. Ah, murder podcasts. That's the that's the through line for for this this month. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Uh anyway, so that's that's a little something about the Mandela effect. What did you guys want to talk about? I've been I'm sitting here googling, so it's again a very shallow dive. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that is really what we're here for. Okay, I'm just going to dive in then. Okay, so there's this part, a very short part. So after um, our lead character, like, discovers she's now in the 80s, she links up with this mom in a very awesome tracksuit. And she has a couple (laughs) kids with her. And then she's like, do you need a ride? And she's like, what? You're a complete stranger. I'm not going to accept a ride from you. And she goes... (laughs) Do I look like the type of person that, whatever she says, but like, mm-hmm. she's like, get in my car with my kids. And then it, she pulls up to the high school and she comes out and just, just like secondhand smoke is Cloud pouring of smoke, yeah. out of this car. And it's kind of funny because and it's definitely referencing the time frame of which we're at. So mm-hmm. we're in like, I would assume we're in the early 80s in this, 87. In this world. 87. Because it was after Back to the Future came out. Okay, so 87 time frame. Um, so I was curious about like secondhand smoke and like when, oh. when, yeah, like when the, at what time did, you know, smoking in restaurants end and stuff like that. So here is what I found. Um, so it says on February 25th, 1990, the no smoking sign was permanently lit on U.S. domestic airline flights. So it wasn't until 1990 that they stopped allowing smoking huh. on on flights for flight attendants or passengers. So flight attendants are just smoking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Incredible. Um, another uh, tidbit I found is 12 states have not banned indoor smoking to this day, which I actually have a story to. Okay. Well, first of all, let me say. Really? Yeah, 12 states. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. I knew one of them was Texas. Yeah, I actually, (laughs) so I have um, travel danced in Texas before, and I have worked at a a club out there where you can just like smoke cigarettes in in the bar. I would say that they're banned from restaurants, but not bars. Interesting. So 
That I have I have a direct you know link to You've and can confirm. This one. Yes. You could smoke in hospitals in nineteen eighty. Oh. <laughs> uh, wow, that's real said, safe. So yeah, like traditional spaces like bars and restaurants, but on buses, trains and planes and hospitals and other like um, retirement communities and stuff like that. It wasn't until 1992, um, a review estimated that secondhand smoke exposure was responsible for 35,000 to 40,000 deaths per year in the United States in the early 1980s. So in this time frame, those kids that were sitting in the back seat were exposed and at risk. It increases your heart risk, um, sorry, risk increase of heart disease due to ETS was 2.2%, while the attrib attributable risk percent was 23% of passive, passive smoke. Wow. So. Interesting. Dang. Yeah. It was such a small moment, but it really, like, I remembered it being like, yeah, we just kind of all just stopped talking about that. <laughs> I Dude. remember uh, when the UK uh, banned uh, smoking in pubs. And Did you spend time in the UK? I was there when it happened in 2007. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And everyone was very mad about it. Uh, I imagine. Which <laughs> I wasn't. I was like, oh, this is super normal. No, no. Smoking in pubs is, is gross and weird, and I'm, I've hated it the whole time I was here. And they were all like, ah, shut up. You're like, no, no, go ahead. Continue. Continue this <laughs> ban, please, for everyone's health and well-being. Please, please do the ban thing. There's a, there's a global pandemic coming. Like, everyone stop. Yeah, you're, you're going to want those lungs. <laughs> oh, no. So, so I'm guessing, Ansel, you never had a smoking face. No. Uh, weirdly, uh, uh, of the... Uh, dumb things I've done in my life. That's not one of them. I you didn't also... grow up in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I also did not have a smoking phase because I have asthma. So I mm. never appealed to me. That makes but, sense. But uh, Lavender, I feel like you, you must have smoked cloves. Cloves? Uh, <laughs> that was such a read. <laughs> wow. <laughs> i am some kind of hippie no um uh no i did have when i was you know in my teens uh whenever i go to like house parties very few times that i would get invited to house parties i was a very serious dancer let's remember mm, so yes. i did not i did not have time i was like competing i was in um like an after school studio for you know five hours after school every day. So I didn't really have a lot of time, but I did like when I, you know, towards the end of my high school career, uh, yeah. Like packs of cigarettes were like $5. I'm not kidding. Like it was ridiculously cheap. They wanted you, they basically shoved it into your hands and they, yeah, were, they like, were like here and they were have pink some. and they were cute. And if, yeah, like a lot of my friends did it. So yes, like we, pass around an entire pack and you would like blow through those suckers often. So I totally understand it. I am definitely like, um, don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I feel like, you know, the, the, the recent thing that I think we all 
are like still don't have a lot of information about is like vaping and stuff like that. Mm. I feel like that's so it's such a big culture in like strip clubs. Um, Interesting. Yeah. A lot of the dancers do like because uh, like managers don't really care if you vape inside because it's not sticking to the furniture. Mm, It doesn't smell everything up. doesn't smell. And it's just there's a lot of downtime um, before the club gets busy and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of the dancers are young. They're impressionable. They're 19 to 21 years old in their prime sort of as a, as a dancer. I'm a 30, I'm a 31 year old stripper. So, uh, you know, take that for what it is, <laughs> but it is, it is that definitely, awesome. <laughs> that is definitely a thing, uh, that I have noticed is, you know, the use of vaping as a form of smoking. Uh, and I don't think it's all that great for everybody, but you know, we live and we learn and we get a little bit better at it as time goes on. Wow. There were so many things that I wanted to explore about this movie because you know, um, I feel like a lot of people had an eighties phase. I mean, I am technically an eighties baby, but literally was a baby the whole time so. yeah just barely yeah yeah exactly so i mean i was there but i didn't really take part in a lot of the 80s stuff so i was more of a 90s kid because i was an 80s baby but some of the things that i was thinking of exploring in this month's edutainment were uh compost uh cocaine uh the mandela <laughs> effect which uh ansel so masterfully covered and the quantum drop ride, which plays a very important part in the movie in that it becomes like the the way that Jamie gets back to the future. Um, but the 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 topic that I ultimately chose uh, is the photo booth. I know that's kind of a uh, a, a basic. A <laughs> basic hey, topic. Some of our best ones have been basic. Oh. That's uh that's reassuring. Phone book? I mean, that was that was a classic. Um It's hard to top saddles. Some other ones. I mean it's probably hard to bottom saddles too, but um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> uh but yeah, photo booths play a big part of Totally Killer. Um it is the first apparatus for the time travel uh, machine created by Lauren and um, perfected, I guess, by Amelia. Um, so I wanted to look into when the the modern phone phone booth, photo booth, actually came to be. So, as we know, no, I mean history tells us that photography was invented in uh, eighteen twenty six. It took until 1889 to come up with the first automated automated system for taking photos. And the first time that that happened was at the Paris World Fair uh, in that year. And even though they say automated, it actually took 20 people uh, in, in a huge room to make the automated system work. Uh, And that was the way automated photos worked for 
like three decades after that. Because uh, it wasn't until 1925 that Anatole Josephowitz uh, patented a machine that took automatic photos. His machine looked like the old enclosed photo booths that you'd probably think of when somebody says photo booth. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and he basically took one of those and set it up in Times Square. Uh, he called it the Photomaton. And it cost 25 cents. Uh, That's to, a lot it, back then. Exactly. Um, and it took eight pictures and it was printed out onto strips. Uh, and it took eight minutes uh, for it to print. Thinking about how, like, you know, uh, instantly you get pictures back mm-hmm. on like uh, Polaroids and stuff. But uh, I'm going to get to Polaroids in a second. Because Anatole, when he set up his studio in Times Square, he ended up taking over 7,000 pictures a day. And the lines would stretch out the door and around the corner, even when he was open until 4 a.m. Dude was really committed to taking these pictures. Yeah, A lot of drunk photos. Exactly. Could you imagine the old-timey drunk photos? He's just raking in money, though. I want to see those so badly. Yes. The problem is you couldn't be too drunk because you, you had to sit, like, super, super still. Yeah. I mean, the printing took eight minutes, but like, you know, the whole process of taking the picture also was a process. Um, And so Anatole's invention basically stayed the same until the 70s when Polaroid, uh, when Polaroid um, kind of revolutionized the photography business, you know, with their instant photo cameras who really needed photo booths anymore, right? Like, at that time, photo booths basically just became a tool to take your passport photo. Um, However, uh, that would change in the 90s thanks to Sega, creators of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Because, yeah, so the Japanese um, call it uh, Purikura, Um, basically they took photo booths and made them so that you could digitally alter the the pictures and add all these cutesy kawaii images and words and stuff to your, to your image, uh, in the photo booth. They were first introduced by Sega and a company called Atlas, um, as the print club photo booth, um, and it was first introduced to like video arcades in 1995. Hmm. Um, it, it, it was basically a cross between the traditional photo booth and an arcade game. And there was like a series of like different backdrops and borders and icons, text writing. You could even change like your hair and the lighting effects. And um, similarly to how Lavender has experience with smoking in clubs i totally had experience with porikura uh booths in the arcades because i remember having my cd player with stickers from these photo booths all over it 
of just like my cousins, my friends. Cause like we hung out at the arcades in the mall playing DDR. So those machines were already there, you know, uh, and they were, you know, super cute. <laughs> um, now you basically have a photo booth in your pocket. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. thanks to your cell phone, since every phone now has a, a camera and you can download a photo booth app to like make it look like an old timey photo booth. Mm-hmm. Put you in but different you, hats and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like, TikTok and Instagram stories and stuff like that are just an evolution of the photo booth, right? So there you go. Now, you, now you've now you learned a little bit about the photo booth. Wow. Awesome. I love well, it. Yeah, that was really cool. Thank you for that shallow dive. Yeah. Uh, and while we're here, I did also do a shallow dive on the ride that we were talking about. Oh. So I just wanted to talk very briefly about it because there's not a whole lot to know. Um, aside from getting into like specific models of it and how they went to this fair and that fair. And that would be fascinating if you wanted to read a book about like carny life. But the... Um, the fascinating thing I found about the ride is uh, it is way older than I would have thought. Oh. Um, although at the same time, it could be older yet and still not shock me too much. Um, so having said that, uh, give me a guess. When do you think that a ride that spun you around so fast you got stuck to the wall would be open to the public? 1969. Nice. I'm going to say 1820. Okay. And it's in the middle of the two. Uh, uh, 1948. 1948. Yes. It's a post war thing from Germany. Of course. Uh, So who knows? Maybe they were using it for something else and they were like, "Uh, what do we use all these motors for? Here you go. Uh, But yeah, so uh, it was originally called the Rotor uh, and it was patented by a German engineer, Ernst Hoffmeister, in 1948. Um, And yeah, the Rotors were were built in in Germany and then uh, all over the world after that. Uh, in the United States, they were constructed uh, starting in the 60s, uh, and they went by a bunch of different names. The one we would all recognize is the Gravitron. That's uh, what it was. Yep. The Gravitron uh, was was commonly made and easily available all over the United States. It went by a bunch of different names, including Starship, with a bunch of different numbers after it, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. Uh, Area 51, Starship Area 51, and so on. Uh, But yeah, ultimately, the ride has not changed all that much since the 1940s, with the exception of, like, different materials for construction. Uh, And I'm assuming different kinds of motors, I would hope. Um, But yeah, ultimately, the, the the process inside of just like, yeah, this thing spins you around fast enough that you get stuck to the wall has not uh, significantly altered in all that time. The scariest version of that ride is when the the floor drops out from under you. Mm, yes. Like, yes. That That is definitely the version that I was afraid to go on as a kid, you know? Because, you know, you just have kids sticking to the wall of this thing. 
Have you ever done that version? Um, I feel like I must have. I don't remember if I ever did. I don't think so. I don't remember. I think that I would either. remember that. That's a pretty life-altering moment. And I that I must think... have been one of the bigger parks. That must have been like a Kings Island or potentially maybe like Hershey Park or Dorney Park. Yeah, because there's no way the ones that they like put on a truck and drag back and forth across the U.S. are doing that kind of shit. Oh, but the ones... That's how you kill all the children. Well, true. But even the ones that don't, like, have a roof to look like a spaceship, where it just looks like, you know, know, construction equipment, basically. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. Where you you just have, like, poles to hold on to. (laughs) (laughs) Holding on for Will, will, your sheer Ah! will. Oh, yeah. But I also remember uh, the Simpsons had a had a bit on on this ride where I it must have been Bart, where he would like go on the ride and like spit, <laughs> and then it would fly back on the person next yep. to him. And... Oh, physics! Anyway, kind of hard to do a casual beige on the gravitron. <laughs> it would be hard to do a casual beige on the on a gravitron. You'd have to be very fast. Uh... <laughs> I mean, and then when you, know, you come, it swings around and hits the person next to you. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ben is dead. Ben has left the building. <laughs> wouldn't the like the the sanit not sanitary, but wouldn't the polite thing to do in that situation be to swallow? Like, One would what? hope. <laughs> I feel like the gravitational pull would just kind of like lock you guys in, like. You know, oh yeah, that's a choking that's, that's hazard fair. at that point. <laughs> Take a deep breath because you live here for a bit. Uh, oh my god, I think we yeah, just no found... casual beaches. <laughs> we just right. found the new that's the new trend. Beige. The new trend in uh, insects parties. That's the new cinnamon challenge. Just <laughs> gravitron blowjobs. Yeah, gra- yes. the next time we go to an orgy and they've rented a gravitron we will know we've made it (laughs) i want a cut of that if that happens (laughs) give give me give me a cut of the door (laughs) although 69 would be just super easy oh yeah i feel like it just lock you in that might be the best way to 69 This is the triple X version of this podcast. <laughs> Time, to, Time party to party after, after dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! It's uh, you know, well, we're not bound to get that. there, right? <laughs> I mean, the sex industry is very uh, forward-thinking. Yeah, uh, I I cackle in sex work. <laughs> well, all right, party people. This has been a great month. We're so glad to be back. Uh, thank you majorly to the incredible, the incomparable, the glamorous Lavender Vixen Woo! for joining us. Thank you. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me. Extra shout Wonderful out to Cobalt Blue Vixen. for Cobalt Blue Vixen for making a <laughs> appearance here and there. I didn't know that was... Their full name. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a team. Oh man. Um, and you know, uh, if we decide to take a super long break again, maybe we'll tell you. But 
we'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. We'll do our best. You know, uh, it's, uh, life's hard out there, right? Yeah. Uh, life's hard. It's, it's been a hard time for all of it's... us. And hopefully it gets better for everybody. Yes. In due time. Huh? If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find me on the internet. I'm at bsilverio20 on Instagram, X, Threads, Blue Sky, Carrier Pigeon. I'm Lavender Vixen. You can find me on Instagram and see a lot of photos and shows if you're a Chicago native uh, or local. Um, It's at Lavender Vixen. That's V-Y-X-N on Instagram. I am at the Indecisionist on uh, Blue Sky and all the meta properties. This has been Indecisionist Production. Find more information about the show, show notes, and full transcripts of every episode from season three at indecisionist.com. Uh, you can join in on the conversation by using the hashtag on places that still use hashtags time to party. That's time the number two party. As well as time the number two party. All spelled out. Thanks to work. Who knows what the future holds? We certainly don't. But as we try to figure it out, remember to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Bye.